Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, Connor Allen. Uh, Connor, what's going on, man? Exciting things happening in the world of 444. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, this is a, a great time to talk about how 444 has been acquired by Betsperts. Um, they are now, um, you know, we're part of the Betsperts technology group, and this can only mean good things for 444. You know, we're really excited to work with... Um, Work with Reed Rooney and the team over there. Guys like Andy Molitor. Work with the guys over the deep dive. You know, Whale Capper and so many of their other great content providers. Um, we're really excited about the direction that we think it can go and just what that means for four for four, including new shows, more content, more tools. Um, all really all good things. So you know, for those of you who don't like us, you might see more of our faces, which <laughs> might be a downside to you. But I think that uh, it's going to be all good things on our end, and, and I'm really excited. How are you feeling? Yeah, man, this is an exciting time for sure. We have more announcements that will be trickling in over the coming days before the season starts. This one is an exciting one, probably more so for us on the back end. If you are a 444 subscriber or we're considering to be one, there's really nothing that's going to change um, you know, from the subscriber point of view as far as all of our content. Uh, you know, If you're currently there, the name's not going away, the website's not going away. There's really going to be nothing on the front end in the short term that is going to change but uh yeah it, exciting to have uh you know that group involved in all that we're doing it makes a lot of sense you know 44 is a tremendous brand that's why both of us are here we you know believe in it and uh the people that have still here have been leading the company uh, i've been just amazing stewards of this company for a very long time very proud to uh, you know have the banner behind me and do this uh for this company so it's only going to get better from here on out so we're, we're super stoked about it uh, also stoked to wrap up the divisional preview series here on the podcast. This is uh, the AFC South. This will be the last of the group. Don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you find it, anywhere you listen. We're also doing this on YouTube as well. If you're just listening to the audio version, don't forget to go over to 444 Football on the YouTube side. Hit subscribe there. Uh, pop us a thumb and uh, hopefully upwards. And uh, you know, don't forget to, to uh, give us a little review over there as well. We're also doing a contest we've been doing uh, the last couple of weeks where uh, we're giving away our betting subscription over at four for four, which is it's everything. It gives you literally everything on the site. Uh, it's going to give you season long uh, rankings. It gives you best ball DFS, all the content, and then all of our betting stuff, all the tools, Paulson's rankings. Um, and if you're getting that by just getting in the drawing, by leaving us a review, uh, Connor, we have another winner this week. Yep. So this week's winner um uh, I didn't list his name, but on Twitter, it's IrishND09. So uh, shoot us a message to get your free uh, subscription. And thank you for rating and reviewing. And again, if you guys want to be entered in this contest, just rate, review. Um, send us a message, too, to make sure that we see it. Uh, and you'll be entered in next week's contest. I think we're going to keep doing this, you know, probably every week for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, I want to keep doing it, but you know what? I want to, I want to start laying some thresholds out here for people because like, <laughs> you know, you're listening to the show. We know you are, we see that you're out there. Um, just take the, take the two minutes. Uh, you know, this could pay off for, you know, these gentlemen that have done so recently, this is a $179 subscription. Um, and they're getting it for free by taking the time to rate and review. So I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, we could see, we could talk about that, but, uh, get out there, give us some love. It helps again, keep the lights on here. Let's other people find us as well. Hopefully we can continue to do so and help make you uh, money along the way. Uh, Connor mentioned some of the great, exciting things that we have going on. We are going to have, we've kind of trickled this out there, 
We still have some levers to pull, but we will be doing a second move the line episode all season long, every week. This will stay as our Wednesday evening recording, Thursday morning drop in your podcast feed, all encompassing show where we're talking about spreads and totals and really team evaluation matchup driven as we're doing. We're also then going to be doing a Friday prop only show. Um, Props drop hot Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Most of the books start to trickle in uh, a little in the you know late afternoon, early evening. And that's really where we're going to ideally time the show where we can get those numbers out to you as quick as possible so that they, you know, before they get steamed up, uh, before we steam them up, before uh, everyone else does as well, if you think we delaying on that is going to be you know a, an issue for you to be able to get the best of the number, you start to see things move, you start to see the juice move. So we want to get that into your feeds as quick as possible. We'll be doing it the same way. It'll be podcast version. You'll see that Friday evening, Friday live stream as well. We are super stoked about that. We will have a couple of partners. Um, but we'll have announcements on that down the road very, very shortly because it's coming up. It will be our next show. Technically, we're going to do a season-long prop show where we're not going to get, you know, obviously we're not getting granular into week one props, but we're going to talk about all of the week or season-long props that we've either got down on or ideally things that you could still get down on right now when we record that show. So looking forward to doing that. Uh, don't forget to find the podcast on Twitter at Move the Line NFL. Uh, and again, if you don't want to pay, you don't want to take the time and give us a review, head over to 444.com slash plans. Find out how you can get a betting sub for just $35. Uh, really, really exciting way to go ahead and do that. It's uh, it's smart. Save you a lot of money. We'll make you that uh, on the prop show alone. So, all right, Connor. AFC South, man. We pushed this one off because it is relatively ugly um, in relation to some of the other ones. Looking at the odds from our friends over at WinBet, we have the Titans as the favorite, minus 125. Colts behind them at plus 140. Jacksonville at 8-1. to one. And the Texans, somehow just 25-1 to one for the Texans. Uh, this is a this is an interesting division. Connor, what are your thoughts, buddy? Yeah, I mean, we've put this off for a reason. And I was hoping for some clarity. Um, and I feel like we've received none um, or very little. Uh, and so here we are doing this show. And I think that there's going to be some good takes and probably a few lukewarm takes because – we don't, we're not going to just have takes just to have them. You know, I think we need to be transparent about some of the situations going on with Wentz, with Watson, and with you know basically the entire division. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I think it will be interesting, though. It'll be a fun show. We'll jump into it. The Titans are the favorite. They uh, basically nine, nine and a half out there in the win totals. Um, they are minus 150 to make the playoffs. They are plus 150 to not uh, to represent the AFC. They are 15 to 1, 30 to 1 to win the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to be a favorite here, right? And the Titans have been this incredibly uber-efficient offense the last few years. I think it is within reason to really wonder about how impactful Arthur Smith was in that. You know, they are just – Tannehill was left for, for dead. He was scrap heaps. He's picked up to be the you know backup to Mariota, and he just gets transformed into this absolute – fantasy play action efficient machine. They've actually led the league in EPA per play in the 26 games that, tight, that uh, Tannehill has started for the Titans. It's, it's insane. This guy was going to be a backup. Um, it was going to be a bust. So uh, lots of new faces on both sides of the ball. Connor, so what are your thoughts on the Titans? Yeah, I mean, this. I think this team is going to end up playing a lot of fun games this year. So they have a bottom 10 pass rush entering the season, a bottom 10 secondary by, you know, most people's counts. And 
Uh, they only they added Julio Jones a wide out in the offseason, as you mentioned. So now you're looking at a team that they might not be able to run the ball and kind of play like Derrick Henry bully ball all the time, uh, and which kind of leads them to probably you know being in pass heavier situations. And with Julio Jones, with AJ Brown and Tannehill, who as you've said has been incredibly efficient as of late, like I think this team is pretty exciting at least from a scoring output perspective. And that's kind of how I'm framing them going into the season. Um, I'm not bullish on them in terms of the win total because I think that their defense is bad enough that we haven't really seen them play too much of that like come from behind or even just like you know uh score for score uh passing offense all the time so I'm a little bit intrigued on how if they're going to actually win games be able to kind of compete like that uh, I think they're going to try and run Henry but you know when the going gets tough it's not always going to be like that so I'm I'm mostly interested in kind of like the offensive output here but I think we also are going to see games like the Texans I mean I think that they can legitimately run the ball every play against the Texans and win. Um, I think that that's like a legitimate thing. So um, like those types of games, you're obviously not going to see what I just mentioned. Yeah. uh, To your point, like the defense has got, they've made some improvements. The secondary has got a little bit of a refresh, which is much needed. Again, like you said, they were 29th, you know, 30th in some of the key metrics that we look at. Um, You know, they added Caleb Farley, who was a guy that was projected before we got into like the real swing of things heading into last season to be a top 10 pick, he dealt with a hip injury. They really messed him up. And he, you know, as a prospect, assuming he's healthy, he's someone to probably be pretty encouraged about. He's shown up pretty well. I think so far in camp, Trenoris Jenkins as well. Again, they needed that. They added Bud Dupree and uh, Denico Autry up front. You know, Dupree has been a guy that has, it's like almost a little statistically noisy, like the a number of snaps that he plays versus like the sacks that he gets and the pressures that he gets aren't really, it's like an unsustainable amount. So there's something to be said about coming from that Pittsburgh blitz heavy scheme that Keith Butler runs over there all the time, having TJ Watt on the other side to account for like all the different things that Pittsburgh does. He could be inflated a little bit, but they're going to need something like Clowney's gone and um, a defense is, like you said, they're not good. They're going to be in some fun games. They'll be fantasy friendly. Um, what do you think about the props? Is there anything that jumps out here as far as the Tannehill numbers? We are a little higher on Tannehill in terms of both yards and touchdowns. Yeah, I, I mean, I lean over just for the reasons that we mentioned about being pass heavier, but um, like some of the other props are pretty tough. Derrick Henry, 1,550 rushing yards. What's crazy is we actually haven't projected for 1,675 or 1,650 rushing yards, and that's with him to missing two games. I'm pretty sure John actually projects all of his running backs to miss two games. Um, I took some unders at 1,675 rushing yards that I found in an offshore. I'm not playing it at 1,500. 1,550 still seems outrageous, but it's Derrick Henry. But again, a lot of the things we talked about, um, you know, like I think that they will be in some more back and forth games. They're not going to be able to feed Henry all the time, but I think there's still going to be enough of that that he's going to end up pretty close to that number. So um, if you're able to find, you know, something close to 1,700, I would grab the under at 1,550. I'm not quite as enthusiastic um, because he's just, he's very easy to project for a lot of rushing yards. He's just an absolute animal and a guy who, I mean, there's always those stats about like, you know, oh, players receiving X amount of carries after this amount of year performance like X. Derrick Henry's just an outlier. Like, there's no other way to put it. He is simply a guy that can take tons of work. He can be an outlier every year. And that's just, at least until we're proven otherwise, I think that's kind of how we have to approach him. Yeah, that's a good point, though. I mean, because he does it in massive chunks and chunk games. You can get into, like, these multiple 200-yard games and things like that that are just insane. You know, when I was looking at it, previewing this division for the website, you know, I I made the same position. I feel like the only play is the under. But even that's, like, I'm not – 
they don't have strong conviction, which is wild because these are insane numbers. But again, he is an outlier and some of that logic just doesn't really, doesn't matter. And one thing too, like they get their best lineman back. Taylor Luan played five games last year. So he's back ideally to, you know, for the whole season, that's going to help him quite a bit. I love Julio and AJ Brown. I think we all do. They are absolutely studs. They both though typically have like pulls and strains and little things here and there that cost them to miss games or enter questionable. Uh, any interest on their receiving props? So right now Julio's prop is at a thousand and a half receiving yards. We have projected over that. And then AJ Brown's receiving prop is twelve hundred and a half receiving yards, which we actually have projected under that. Um, I'm pretty sure prior to the Julio trade, uh Paulson had AJ Brown projected for like fifteen hundred receiving yards yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I mean, like we've always been like way above market on AJ Brown. And I think that his his props are about right. Like we just don't know how that target share is going to shake out. Like who's going to be the number one guy? Is it going to switch every week? I think that very well could and be very much matchup dependent. It could switch, you know, every series essentially based on how defenses like adjust or if, you know, one of them is at full health. These are just things that we don't really know about. I think that they're a better attack from like a prop standpoint on a week to week basis. We have a little bit more information on kind of who's going to be matched up with who, what their usage is like, if any of them moving into the slot or just staying outside, you know, like there's a lot of, variables that in a season long aspect, I, I don't just don't really know. I don't think anyone knows. I think the Titans are the best team in this division, but I'm really not sure to be honest. And there are some things that can make you think that they could be, you know, on the negative side of, of some regression points, similar to the point the argument that you and I have had around the dolphins and their defense, as bad as the Titans were, they were 29th in DVOA on the season. They were seventh in turnover rate. Um, imagine what would have happened if they weren't turning the ball over so well. Again, not a high pressure rate team either. So that feels a little noisy to me. Um, they were also seven and two in one score games. We know how that works itself out. And they were a top six team as far as health. They had the six fewest, um, you know, injury adjusted games lost on the season. So those things worked in their favor. And again, they were a playoff team, but, um, you know, hosted a playoff game, you know, lost to Baltimore. But again, like, there's a lot of room for downside if really the Arthur Smith thing ends up being as big as I think it is. Um, you know, Todd Downing is, is taking over here. Um, yeah, I just, I, we don't really know what to make out of, out of the situation. So, uh, and again, schedule is kind of middle of the road. They have a tough stretch mid season, but nothing that jumps out there, but I definitely aren't, I'm not paying over on their win total and I'm not laying one Oh five or whatever to, uh, to win the division. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I think that this, uh, I would lean towards the under, but like they're playing the Texans twice. Um, like those are just like two gimmies. Sure. They're going to be like 10 point favorites probably in both of them. Um, you know, and then like, I don't think that, I think the Jaguars are interesting, but we'll get to them later. I just think that their division presents them, you know, some easy opportunities to get wins at times. And that, that's kind of, you know, that's scary for betting and under, I think. But if they were in any other division, I think that they would be like a massive regression candidate and like a team like, you know, like if they were in the Steelers division instead of the Steelers, something like that, you know, that would be a team that potentially could win like six games. This is a team that wins six games, but given their schedule and their division right now, like they'll still probably compete for the top of the division, but it'll probably be like at around, you know, eight to nine to 10 wins, which is right around the win total. Yeah, no, I think I agree with that too. Colts are there right there uh, with them. They are nine wins basically across the board, minus 120 to make the playoffs. They are plus 100 to not uh, 18-1 to win the AFC 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. This was obvious. We talked about this last year on the show that like it just seemed like such an obvious match. You had Phillip Rivers 
you know, retiring or they can move on. We knew all that was going on in Philadelphia and, you know, Wentz handled that pretty poorly by all accounts. It just seemed like it was meant to be. And I think it's a calculated risk, but again, if it works, if Frank Wright is able to get anything that resembles 2017 Carson Wentz, then the Colts are definitely the best team in this division. But I think that there's nothing that should make us feel confident that that's the case. I feel like the injury, even though he's going to looks like return for week one, being off in that period of time for almost a month, four weeks with your new club is a tough way to enter the season. And look at the start of this schedule for the Colts. It is brutal. Um, they open up at consecutive home games against NFC West teams, though. They play the Seahawks and then the Rams. And then they have one of the only back-to-back-to-back road slates that any team has in the entire season this year. Um, but it's also at Tennessee, at Miami, at Baltimore. So there's not even like there's not even a win in there necessarily, right? I mean they're gonna be they're gonna be dogs across the board there. Oh yeah. Um so tough they might, be, they might be like even against Miami depending on how Miami's doing, but that's yeah. No. And they, they yeah that's really tough. I think that they might be there's a very good chance that they win max like one or two games in that that segment. Yeah, that's a rough start. So uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Wentz and, and the Colts? I mean, I think that I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and really it just depends on on Wentz in general. He has a lot of good pieces around him, you know, pretty average secondary, pretty average pass rush, but like a good O-line. His weapons, uh, as I know you're very high on, Michael Pittman, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, all underrated, I think. I think that, that just like as a group, they're a little bit of an underrated receiving core. And obviously Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack coming back from an injury are all interesting as well. But it's... I just like can't really get behind it. I don't know what something's holding me back from being excited about this team, but it seems just seems like they're expected to be middle of the road in like almost every metric. And their quarterback is Carson Wentz, who has, you know, like you said, like played good for 13 games in his career. And then beyond that, like what else are you excited about? Um, uh, not a whole lot. And so for me, it's a team that could they be end up being good? Yeah, but they would need like a lot of things to break their way and a lot of different, you know, if statements we talk of, talk about on here, largely, especially largely with uh, Wentz. So yeah, I'm kind of like out on them, probably just waiting and seeing. We did take some action though on the Seahawks week one when we thought it looked like Wentz was going to be out. Um, and I still stand by that. I think that even with Wentz playing, like I think it could actually almost be better uh, for the Seahawks because Wentz is going to, Wentz drives the line back down and he, I highly doubt he's going to be at hundred percent. You know, he might be moving a little bit, but I think the odds of him playing at less than hundred percent are pretty high. So, or not playing at all. I mean, either way, and he's not even good either. I mean, our, our, you know, friend of the show or former friend of the show, John Daigle, um, you know, <laughs> um, has said that Wentz is like, you know, the worst starting quarterback in the league. So um, I think that, you know, this is, it's pretty tough. I think, I think that the Seahawks are still easily the player in week one. Yeah, that number moved back. You can you can get it. I think it's like one and a half now. So like it, it works. If you still want to get in on on the Seahawks side, it, it worked in your favor here. It's hard to argue with Daigle's point about Wentz. Like it's miraculous to think about how we're talking about. To your point, it was only thirteen games or so, right? But we're looking at an MVP candidate, and this dude like fell off massively last year. Like he led the league in in fumbles. Um, at the time of his benching, he was getting sacked at a 10% clip, like 10%. And they weren't even a terrible offensive line. They had a pass block win rate. They were 11th in the league. The Colts are 12th. Like everyone loves the Colts offensive line. I think it's Quentin Nelson based. Like they're pretty average in, in some of the metrics that we, that we value as far as like adjusted, you know, yards created and, and 
things like uh, pass block win rate, only Dwayne Haskins had a lower completion percentage above expectation. That's bad. 40th out of 41 dudes. Like he was really bad. He was like second in the league with like longest time holding the ball. Like he, those snacks, those sacks were on him. So, you know, Frank Wright's got his hands full. To your point though, like there are some weapons if they get going, like the backfield is nice. I love Michael Pittman. I think he is an alpha. He led the league in yak plus, which is a cool, you know, league adjusted metric that football outsiders does basically to, to see who and at what an average player would do after the catch. And the dude was not really healthy all year and led the league in yak plus, which is pretty sweet as a rookie. So he's not necessarily like a burner, but he's got a big body. Like I feel like he's a, a little bit of a faster Mike Williams, who can be a massive red zone target. They don't really have anything else other than if they want to lean on Moelle Cox around the red zone, but like that's not necessarily T Y Hilton's game. That's not Paris, you know, Campbell's game. So I like I'm bullish on on Pittman. We came up on his projection. We were down there way low for when we first uh, when we first kicked off. Kyle Granson's interesting, dude. This right, this uh, rookie tight end that looks like he's pushing Jack Doyle out, and they like him in the red zone. Like, yeah, that's been something that's worked quite a bit. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in in those guys. But again, I know that I'm tying that to probably the most volatile quarterback situation in the league. Yeah, I, I thought that when our models were popping on the Pittman under that you were just going to like boycott four for four's projections and, you know, just like take, you know, just not listen to them the rest of the year. I got pretty angry. Um, <laughs> I sent him not, not proud of it, but I sent some text to Paulson that, uh, <laughs> you know, that makes me, uh, maybe be a bad person if I got judged uh, in the, <laughs> the social square for that. But yeah, I'm glad we, we came back on that and, yeah, just a guy that I want to continue to buy on. I, I I don't love anyone else on his team per se, and I think that he has the skill set to be, you know, a solid one. You know, probably a, a number two on a really good team. I don't know that he's a receiver, the best receiver on a on a Super Bowl team per se, but I think he's really talented, and I'm going to continue to buy the defense too. Is not really spectacular. I mean, they have uh, DeForest Buckner, they have uh, you know Leonard and linebacker, but like the secondary is not great. Xavier Rhodes had a really good season last year, like. That's not a dude that that we can count on happening, you know, having that happen again. So kind of out on the Colts uh, again, similar to the Titans. I'm, I'm under or nothing. Yep. No, I totally agree. I almost muted myself. I almost did it, but I didn't. I didn't. So yeah, no, I, I would. I would tend to agree. I think we go back to the tape. I think you did. I think we got a. I think we had one muted attempt Shit. to say something. Damn it. So Sal, bring the tape up. We'll have to check that out later. So <laughs> I move on to Jacksonville. Um, the Jags six and a half. There's five and a half out there at Bet Rivers, uh, juiced up. They are plus three twenty five to make the playoffs, minus four hundred to not, sixty to one to win the AFC, one hundred and thirty to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, you're not a great start um, with what happened with you know Travis Etienne getting injured. It's been a rough decade or so, and now they're looking to kind of turn the page, right? You got Urban Meyer, you know, the tanked and they got Trevor Lawrence. There's some talent that we, I think should be excited about, especially on the offensive side, even with ATN out, they have a nice receiving core, the offensive line. Like I think four of the five starters did not play in the saints game. And we're making some really, again, that's an Island game, which is brutal. We all think Island games are, you know, more is made of them than they should be. Um, that wasn't the starting offensive line for Jacksonville. So I think they're better than that. There are a lot of early first, second round picks on the defensive side of the ball. 
there are reasons to be optimistic here if Urban Meyer can learn the NFL game as quick as Trevor Lawrence. What are your thoughts on Jacksonville? Yeah, I think that everyone has really just jumped the gun on like burying Jacksonville and saying that Urban Meyer's a donkey and that all that stuff. Like, we don't know that. Like, yeah, sure, he signed Tim Tebow, but you know who's been the least talked about for number one overall pick in like basically NFL history? Trevor Lawrence. Like, no one, no one talked about him until now Tebow's gone and now everyone's like burying Lawrence and saying, oh, the Jaguars look bad. The Jaguars look slow. Lawrence is under pressure all the time, blah, blah, blah. I just think that people think that they know so much more than they do based off minuscule amounts of data. You don't know shit. Like Trevor Lawrence is really, really good. He is awesome. And he's shown for a few years that he's one of the best football prospects in, you know, a long time. And in most analysts opinion, since Andrew Luck, like he's an incredible quarterback. And so now you're giving him talent. You're giving him guys like Marvin Jones. I think that that is something that we can take away is that, you know, he looked at a connection with Marvin Jones. Um, and then now obviously the ETN thing sucks, but um, his usage seemed to be like, it was going to be more like a, you know, poor man's Alvin Kamara rather than I, I would even wouldn't even say Alvin Kamara light just poor man's or not homeless man's but pretty somewhere in between there uh, in terms of pass catching and running but James Robinson obviously a very capable running back so I think that's okay DJ Chark is coming back from injury um, and they, they still have a, a pretty sizable amount of weapons around him so I think that it's going to be just a fine season for them their offense is interesting their offensive line returns all five starters from last season and I think that they're going to be like a middle of the tier unit the issue is their defense. Their defense is not going to be good. Both their secondary and pass rush are expected to be bottom five units in the league. Um, and that's that's going to be an issue. You know, like you're going to be seeing a lot of Trevor Lawrence trying to come back on games. The way that I'll be attacking this this season is that in those types of games, Trevor Lawrence is actually a pretty good athlete and can run. Like that's like kind of a lesser known fact just because he's, you know, tall and, um, you know, doesn't look as athletic as, um, you know, some other folks. He's just he is very athletic. I mean, if you watched any college football, you've seen him like putting spin moves on guys and really showing out. So I think that that's going to be something to look for early on in the season because he's not traditionally a running quarterback. When they're down, when he's trying to come back, like he's a competitor. He's going to start running the ball more. Um, and so I'm, I'm a big fan on that, potentially tagging it that way. Otherwise, um, I don't know. I, I haven't really touched too much with this team otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Bevel in the, to run the offense. We've seen some nice Daryl Bevel stuff in, De- in Detroit before. Uh, reunited here with Marvin Jones, which I think makes sense to be bullish on Jones. Lavishka Chenault is a guy that can profile in a way that seems similar to how we thought they wanted to use Travis Etienne in that maybe short screen game, you know, similar to maybe how like San Francisco uses Debo Samuel, a lot of that really low A dot, even negative A dot stuff, jet sweeps, things like that. I think that kind of mixes the usage that we'll see for Chenault. Uh, the defense, to your point, is uh, is dicey. They again, C.J. Henderson, top ten pick last year. They had a Tyson Campbell really early in the second round from Georgia this year, and they signed Shaq Griffin from Seattle. So they shored that up a little bit, I think. If Campbell and Henderson kind of take steps forward, um, we got to talk about Joe Cullen though. Like this dude knows how to party. New defensive coordinator for Jacksonville. Um, you know, again, he used to know how to party. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know how to party anymore. It's been a while. He spent the last 11 years on the Ravens coaching staff. But this this guy has been arrested twice in fast food chains, which is really impressive. Uh, apparently, he passed out, uh, I think it was Mississippi State, uh, when he was uh, coaching down there at a subway. And then uh, he was an assistant in, in Detroit and went through Wendy's drive through in, in his car butt-ass naked. So, um, again, I think that was 2006. He's probably matured. Um, but I think it's very interesting that uh, the guy knows how to get down. You are muted if you're trying to jump in. Damn it, Connor. 
God damn. How do you get arrested driving naked though? Like, how does that even yeah, work? That's like, a great- just, just drive away. Like, I mean, like, you know, like if it, like, what are you waiting for your, your 10 piece nugs? Like you're just like, Oh, can't leave. You know, they already saw me naked. Like, but can't leave without those damn nugs. You know what I mean? Like, that's just so ridiculous. Yeah, just drive I mean, away. Frosty though, if Frosty just hits right at the right <laughs> time of day, like, I don't know what was going on in his world, but, uh, Oh geez. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. They, yeah. They need the secondary to step up, but they have young guys up front too. Like, um, you know, Chase on who they drafted from LSU. They have the other Josh Allen. Like they have talent if they can kind of get it together. Again, this is really not that much different than the Titans and the Colts. We're talking about some major ifs. And I think we both agree that at the price of eight to one in the division, again, I know this team was one in 15 last year. I know that there are a lot of questions, but again, price sensitive. Uh, eight to one, which is out there in the marketplace. I think you maybe even will see some movement between now and opening day based on how that Monday night game, I'm surprised it's not even a little higher, but um, I don't know. I think it's worth a sprinkle in this division because I don't really feel good about anyone else. We know what the Texans have going on. Yeah. I mean, I took some when the, the Colts quarterback situation was if he, you know, I took a little bit of Jags in the division because I thought that they were for sure in that scenario, the second best team in the division and potentially the first best team, depending on how the Titans defense fares slash if Trevor Lawrence is better than expected and their defense, you know, steps up a little bit, like I think that they can be competitive with the Titans regardless now at this point, but now you're talking about them also having to be competitive with the Colts. So for me, um, probably at this point I'm laying off, but I do think that a sprinkle is okay. Um, as a speculative bet. Um, I, I do, it did attack them in season though. I bet them at minus two and a half against the Texans week one. And I think that I'll, you know, I would bet it up to like minus three, minus three and a half, even at some point. So they're just a far better team. The Texans, as we'll talk about in a minute here, are dreadful. They are dreadful. So um, if Jacksonville's going to have any chance to do what we're talking about, which is get in the mix, whether it's from the division or win total, they'd have to get off to a really good start. They have by far their easiest stretch in the first seven weeks. And then they have a bye. So they really need to head into that bye with at least a, you know 500 or a winning record to have a shot to, to even flirt with this. So, um, yeah, but – Again, at, at price consideration, it makes a lot of sense to get down a little bit on them. So if you're thinking about it, I think hold off because I don't think you're going to get much uh, shorter than, than 8-1 to one at this point. You might be able to get something even higher. So, all right, the Texans. This is just a really hard team to handicap. Um, the number is four. There are three and a halfs out there as well. They are 8-1 to one to make the playoffs. Um, minus 1,200 to not make the playoffs, which you're not going to bet. Um, they're not going to win the AFC or the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. We would really have like enough to talk about, even if Watson was coming back with all like the Easter bee stuff, like that was, that's insane stuff. And just how kind of their front office came to be in the off season. And it's, it's kind of bizarre, but yeah, also their best player who was amazing last year. If you look at some of the, like, deep analytics and some of the really cool things that are done out there as, as far as like yards above replacements. Like he had a historic year for a guy that was quarterbacking a four win team. Like no one's really done that before. He really drove them to where they were. And now he's nothing. They have the most bizarre roster in the entire league. They legitimately made, this is not an exaggeration. They made 37 trades before the draft. They're all little small nothings. But 37 transactions before the draft, the, it's the strangest roster. They might not win a game, Connor. Yeah, easily. I actually bet them not to win a game. Uh, 20 to 1, you can buy to get them to not win a game. Um, I mean, the only game that I really think they have a chance to win is 
week one at home against Jacksonville. And I don't think they're going to win. Like, I don't think they're going to come close. I think that <laughs> we're going to look back on this minus three and the Jags are going to win by like 12 and or whatever, you know, two, three, four touchdowns. And everyone's going to be like, oh, this is, I can't believe we actually thought that Texans could beat anyone. Um, and like this team, as you said, just an embarrassing, embarrassing roster. They lost Will Fuller. They lost JJ Watt. They have a bottom three defense. They only added a bunch of below average players for the roster. I mean, literally, uh, I wrote this in my preview. Like, it's like they went to the dollar store and just like picked like 50 things and everything was like, you know, they got 50 things, but they were all just terrible quality and they were awful. Like, I mean, their running back room right now is just like, I mean, that actually might be one of their best parts of their roster. Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, David Johnson. And that's like, <laughs> They're like hoarding, uh, like, you know, running backs that have been good at one point in their career. And Philip Lindsay, who's, you know, has been okay, I guess, throughout his career. But my big thing, too, is with this offense, like, people are like, oh, Brandon Cooks might be good. Brandon Cooks is not a number one, number one wide receiver. Matt Harmon has shown that in his reception perception. He can't beat man press coverage. Like, he just can't. His, like, success rate on that is, like, 50%. It's, like, one of the worst in the leagues for wide receivers that Matt Harmon has charted. So you're looking at a guy who basically can't operate as a number one wide receiver, going to be thrown the ball to by probably Terod Taylor, who's minus 500 to be the week one starter, or Davis Mills, who most likely is awful. Um, and, <laughs> you know, like th- this is just this is a disaster. I mean, they want to lose. They legitimately want to lose. And at this point, I don't blame them. Like literally, I don't blame them at all. Um, and it seems like all of their offseason moves are put, like pointing towards a tank. And so – anyone like suggesting that they're going to win more than four games, I think is being ridiculous. I like, I have like 10 units on under four and a half because every single time I kept seeing the news, like Deshaun Watson, not going to play Deshaun Watson, not going to play. And I'm looking at this roster. I'm like, what am I missing? Like this team will not win more than one or two games. If they're lucky, like they have to like their starting quarterback would probably have to, you know, get injured mid game. And then half the offensive line would have to get COVID for them to compete. It's, it's Jacksonville week one in Carolina yeah. at home in week three. Like Carolina beat them by 10. I agree, but I'm saying if you look at the schedule, they have the second hardest schedule in the league. Like it, it's, it's, it's really, really rough. Like yeah. they have I, mean, to- I hate the Lions, and I think the Lions would beat them by a touchdown. <laughs> I agree. I was actually going to ask you who you, uh, who you thought was the worst. Maybe not a touchdown. Maybe like I would say Lions would be like, should be like minus three at home. Maybe minus, maybe minus four at home. It's bad, man. I'm, uh, do we have them on prime time? No, um, there's no way. If they did that to us, I mean, uh, hopefully they'll get like a Thursday night football where everyone can just like jointly tweet all, like live tweet the game and just like destroy the Texans publicly for a good four hours. I know yeah. you're not a big live tweeting guy, but I think that'd be a fun, you know, fun thing to get together and, you know, rally together after all the divisiveness, you know, here going on. I said that I don't like live tweeting. I think the um, in game play by play overreaction stuff which I think is spread into preseason football this year more than ever is uh, is fairly insufferable on Twitter during an, an Island game. If there is a, yeah, any Island game, I I'll text with my friends. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I stay off of Twitter. Yeah. So Carolina is a Thursday night football game, um, which is uh, yeah, they got to get that one, which stinks that we have to even waste one of our nights uh, with a primetime game on, on, Houston, but I thought that everyone gets one at least. So, Whew. yeah. Tough, tough um, anything else you bet with them? So, I mean, I took, yeah, I think 0 and 17 to 20 to 1. I think that I got that at points bet. There's um, still a 16 to 1 out there uh, okay. as of this morning. So, I mean, I think it's like, I mean, I think it's a close to a 50 50 shot. Like, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, like, I just don't see them, I don't see them winning a game. 
Um, so at 20 to one, like, you know, obviously just, just hammer that as you will. Also alternate unders three and a half wins. There's no way they're winning four games. Just like, I mean, I would be shocked if they won four games. Yeah. And everyone expects, because there's that extra game in the season, like, Oh, we got to keep the totals pretty high. Like the win totals can't be that low. Like these teams, like the Texans could be historically bad. Like they could be worse than the Owen 17 lions. And we know that historically, I think it was whale capper, our new, our new partner here, best birds. <laughs> um, did some work a couple years ago. And I forget exactly what it was, but just on average, there's a pretty wide Delta between the accuracy on the number on win totals on average. Like I think it was over two. I want to say it was between maybe two, two and a half on average. It's, they're pretty off. Like, you know, we think that they're sharp because they get bet into for months, but at the end of the day, when you grade them at the end, they really aren't retrospectively. So I'm with you. Like they, this is a bad team. There are, we talk about outs and how many outs there are on, on props and season long. Props. There are so many outs on Watson, not playing. It's not like, and I don't want to make light of the situation. It, there are it, 22 it, women. Like, this correct. Is like, this is not just one random, you know, woman, you know, that could be looking for a payday or something like that. This right. is 22 individuals. Yeah. And it looks like this stuff is set to not really even start until February, which sometimes they do, unfortunately, in the player's favor to make sure they don't miss any time, which is gross. But it's what happens. But now it's a point where it's like, well, there's not going to be any res- resolution, and there are 22 things in the way, yeah. I mean, things, but situations yeah. in the way that are mm-hmm. within him in the field. It's wild that he's even at camp. Yeah, I mean the like, yeah, that's first off shocking. Second, I mean he's playing linebacker at camp. They're literally rolling him out there like a linebacker. I don't know if you saw that. They're yeah. putting him literally just like on the defense, put him at running back. Some like they know he's not going to play. Like they they have no intentions of him playing. Otherwise, they just throw him in there. Um, I mean. Not to mention that the FBI is investigating him. He has both civil and criminal lawsuits. There is just, I mean, there you can see like some of the, I think one of the lawyers on Twitter, or whatever, you know, the Twitter lawyers where I get all the, my, you know, useful information from, um, was like, you know, actually a good thread, or at least what I thought was a good thread, thread for a non-legal guy talking about how like there's just so much uncertainty with one person accusing them of something and now there's 22. And that's like, there's just so many different issues with this and that like if the NFL let him play, um, I mean, they, they won't. They can't. Like, that's just a, in today's world of 2021, you cannot let a guy like that play. They'll do something. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, I agree. And it could not be worse to make it simply about football, not to oh, yeah. make any of this next part sound insensitive. But, like, the worst part for the Texans is that not only do they lose their best player in the field, they lose him as an asset. Like, he requested a trade prior to all this coming out, which is going to be crazy. But again, they could have gotten the world for him, multiple first round picks. Um, yeah, lots of lots of things. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So again, I hope that justice serves itself out however it needs to. Uh, from a football standpoint, it is a brutal, brutal blow to the Texans and really hard to recover from. Yep. All I got to say is just any four and a halfs you still see, slam them. I hit it like yep. a four and a half under minus 150 on some credit books. Just hammer it. I mean, they ain't winning five games. They're not even coming close. So yeah, it's free money. So... Well, favorite bet. That wraps us up, man. We did it. Eight divisional previews. Good job. Next time we get to talk, it'll be props. So uh, favorite bet from the AFC South. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, okay, well, yeah, probably. I mean, Texans under. Uh, yeah, I don't really need to go too much into it, but that that is definitely my favorite bet here. Yeah, Texans under, I agree. I love some of the alt stuff too, knowing 
you know, how off these lines can be and still getting 16 to one. I think DraftKings has that as of this morning. So uh, for seven or for Owen 17, I think that's absolutely in the range of outcomes. And I will continue to ring the bell for Michael Pittman. Give me his over on the yardage props. <laughs> um, he's going to beast out. So Connor, that does it, man. Let's go. Um, yeah, we, we crushed it. That was a lot of fun, and I'm glad that we did it. It helped me. Like, I'm, I'm, I feel ready for the season. I feel like I have a good gauge on all of them. If you guys, you know, still want to go back and listen, most of them, not a whole lot has changed in most of them. I think we did a good job orienting the divisions where there was uncertainty prior to the, you know, that we like saved those divisions for last outside of this, you know, shit show of a division. Um, you know, there's, there's not much uncertainty with the other ones. Yeah. No, I agree. I think you can go back. And if you haven't scroll up in your feed, um, you know, click into the playlist on YouTube and find other episodes. I think they are still going to be evergreen here for you to check out. Also on the site, I have written previews. If you are more about consuming this, um, you know, while you're sitting on the can and you want to just read, um, I've broken down um, my takes here on the division here on the website as well. Connor's got some great content going as well. He's already put out some week one bets on the site. He's got a running diary of our uh, main event FFPC team that we are drafting with um, NBC Sports Edge's John Daigle on uh, all of the banter that goes on with that. Connor's done an excellent job writing that piece up for us as well. And again, don't forget to find out plans. There's a lot of cool free stuff still on the site, but if you want to use our tools, our prop tools, amazing. We know that Paulson is a stud at rankings. We are leveraging his rankings and our new prop tool to beat the books um, in it is an incredible tool and you have access with that over at four for four with our betting plan. Uh, we have more tools still to come really exciting times over at four for four. So that wraps us up for uh, this week. So for Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you again soon.